0: If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Well, good morning, church. It's uh, a tremendous blessing and a privilege to be back here again since the new year, the last time I was here, a lot has changed, a lot has happened, a lot of growth uh, for myself and my family and I assume the same for all of you. I want to thank the elders for the, uh, the opportunity to share God's words with you this morning. And let's just get right into it. We're reading from Jeremiah chapter 38. Um, we're taking it from verse 14 all the way to verse 28. And so this is what the word of God says. King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and received him at the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question, hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, will you not listen to me? The king, then King Zedekiah um, swore secretly to Jeremiah, as the Lord lives who made our souls, I will not put you to death or deliver you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then the city shall be given into the hand of the Catalans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Catalans, lest I be handed over to them and they deal cruelly with me. Jeremiah said, "'You shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of the Lord in what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which the Lord has shown to me. Behold, all the women left in the house of the king of Judah were being let out to the officials of the king of Babylon and were saying, "'Your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you now that your feet are sunk in the mud.'" they turn away from you. All your wives and, all, and your sons shall be led out to the Catalians, and you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon, and this city shall be burned with fire. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. If the officials hear, I have spoken with you and come to you and say to you, tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you, hide nothing from us and we will not put you to death. Then you shall say to them, I made a humble plea to the king that he would not send me back to the house of Jonathan to die there. Then all the officials came to Jeremiah and asked him and he answered them as the king had instructed him. So they stopped speaking with him for the conversation had not been overheard and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard until the day that Jerusalem was taken. So let me start with a little bit of a backstory to this narrative that's taking place. In 587 BC, the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar, actually conquered Judah, and he conquered the city of Jerusalem, and he took all the gold and the precious items from the temple of God, and he took the nobles and uh, enslaved them and took them into captivity. Um, In his absence, he set up Uh, a vassal kingdom in Judah, and he appointed King Zedekiah to be a proxy king, to rule and govern his people, but still be subject to the king of Babylon and Babylonian rule. Now, King Zedekiah and his officials decide after some time to revolt against the Babylonian king. And so now they find themselves under attack again for a second time. And the siege of Jerusalem will take about 18 months before the city actually falls in 597 BC. Now in in the midst of all this destruction and chaos, a few things are happening. One, the allies of Jerusalem and Judah, which was Egypt, retreat. So they came to fight the Babylonians, they withdrew. They couldn't face them. The people in the surrounding areas all amass and gather to hide in refuge around the walls of Jerusalem. So you could imagine that the the city can't hold the number of people. Resources are running out. food is getting in short supply, time is ticking away. And the people are hoping for good news. They want to hear that this is going to be over soon because this is a real war. Now, their mainstream news outlet the people that are feeding them the information are their priests and their false prophets and they're inciting them and spurring them on to revolt against the Babylonian king they want them to continue fighting with the promise that you know god is for them and he is going to rescue them and it's just about it's just a matter of time that all these things are going to you know it's going to end now the prophet jeremiah comes in as a modern day alternative news outlet. And he goes into the temple of God's court, and he starts proclaiming God's word. And he tells the people two things. One, he says, you need to stop and ask yourself why you're in this position. Why are you repeatedly coming back to the same place of despair and hopelessness? What choices have you made that has brought you to this pitiful place in your life. And the second thing he tells them is he reminds them, you're living in this land not because you chose to, not because you were born in it, but because God has appointed you to live in it, and he has desired you to live in it. You don't have this sense of entitlement that this is my land without first understanding that God had given this land as an inheritance to your forefathers with one condition, and that condition is to obey the voice of God. If you obeyed his voice, it went well with you. If you didn't obey, you had to face consequences. So those of you who are actually interested in this proclamation, you could read, this is exactly what Jeremiah tells the people in uh, chapter 27. Now, what what's kind of challenging here is that the people, like all of us, get caught up in everyday thinking. They try to manage their crisis through natural means, and they often forget the fact that they're in a covenant relationship with the living God and the spiritual implications that come with being in a relationship with this God. See, Jeremiah is trying to help the king understand the spiritual significance of what is happening here. The circumstances that are surrounding him in which he finds himself as a leader having to make a decision that is quite paramount and life-changing, not only for himself and his family, but for the entire people that are looking up to him, is, is quite difficult and yet he's not putting the dots together, he's not connecting it. He's not understanding that there are spiritual implications, implications for the choices that he makes. They're not inconsequential. They have some impact. And that's often us. If we can really self-examine our own lives, we, we can be very honest and say that, you know, we we make choices without really taking and appreciating the fact that we're in a personal relationship with the living God. And we forsake the intimacy that this God demands of us before we make any life-changing choices without realizing that it has consequences and spiritual implications. Zedekiah is not making that connection. Even after hearing the word of God proclaimed to him, we can read the next question that he asks in verse 14, and you can clearly see that the disconnect in his head. He's not making the, 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 the points and the dots. He's not connecting the dots. We can't go on living like that. And the reason being is because we have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the Spirit of God has now indwells us. And so we can't just go off our merry way, making choices, without having to face and confront the implications of those choices. See. God has called us and appointed us to do good works in Christ Jesus. And that means that those appointments are specifically for each one of us. We have to think from a kingdom mindset. And that's what Jeremiah is trying to get Zedekiah to understand. This kingdom that he's ruling has a spiritual king who is Lord and God over it, and that's the Lord. He thinks that he's fighting the Babylonian king, he's not. He's spiritually fighting God. He is kicking against God and he's not going to win. And Jeremiah is trying to get him to understand that in his dialogue. And so look at, look at Zedekiah's attitude and his question. First of all, he doesn't want the officials to know that he's secretly communicating. He's the king after all. He can choose whoever he wants to talk to. Why is he afraid of the officials? That's the first question you have to ask yourself. And he's coming to Jeremiah, the prophet, and he's asking him a question. He's saying, hey, I want you to tell me, inquire of God for me and tell me. Tell me what I want to hear, okay? How many of us have been there, okay? We, we pray to God and we tell God, okay, here's how you answer this prayer, God. The best solution is this and this and this. And this is the expectation. Nothing else will do, God, I don't want any other answer than this one that I'm asking of you. Or we have been given counsel and being given wisdom, and yet our heart chooses to ignore it because it doesn't align with our heart's desire. And look at what Zedekiah is doing. He's asking the exact same, with the same attitude. Tell me what I want to hear, Jeremiah. Inquire of God for me and let me know that it's a good, favorable response. What does he want? He wants to hear what the officials have been filling his ears with that it's gonna go okay, the Babylonians are gonna leave, and everything will go back to status quo. Life will be normal again. Jeremiah is not going to do that because he is commissioned by God to speak only what the Lord reveals to him. And God is not gonna let any of us get away with that type of attitude. He's gonna bring that attitude into check and he's going to adjust it. And so listen to Jeremiah's response. You, you can see that he's giving him um, a list of you know, uh, repercussions that will come with the choices that he makes. Both one favorable, the other unfavorable. But the first thing that he is reminding Zedekiah about is that the people, yourself, your family, your nobles, you're all here because you're under God's divine judgment okay? The land that they have occupied has profaned the name of God repeatedly for many, many years. They have uh, subject themselves to spiritual adultery. They have continued in their idol worship, and they didn't think twice about it, that it would have no implications. They have filled the land with injustice and bloodshed. And God is revealing to um, to King Zedekiah and to the people when he proclaims and preaches oftentimes in the public squares that God is a God of justice. And he makes no partiality when it comes to justice, whether it be his own people or whether it's not his own people. He is fair because that is who he is by his nature. And so he specifically says to to the people that each person will pay for their deeds and their ways. That's very specific. He's not just giving a blanket response to the nation. God is very specific in saying, each person is going to pay for the works that they have done, and they're going to be held accountable for their actions. See, God is speaking to the king, and he's telling the king and the people that you have a responsibility, and you're being held accountable because the word and the truth of God has been proclaimed to you. You can't dismiss it. You can't escape it. And so God is revealing to his people that he is an avenger. He will exact justice. It doesn't matter if it's his people or not. Now, I take this time to share that with you because oftentimes in leadership, people, especially from a Christian point of view, they cheapen God's grace. The grace of God has been taken For granted, and it has been shown contempt because oftentimes, when you know people sin, or especially in leadership, when they sin, it's easy to sweep it under the rug and say, You know, we, we, God is for forgiveness. Yes, absolutely, 100%. He is a God of invitation to come to receive forgiveness, but. He's also a God of justice, and he's not going to just automatically sweep away your choices and, your, and the consequences that come with those choices. See, I was at a at a meeting where you know we were holding a leader accountable for the things that he'd done, and part of the counsel that they gave to the church was re- read from Psalm 51 and, and say how God was so forgiving. If you read Psalm 51, David, as a leader, as a former king in the golden age of Israel, committed such a harsh crime, and yet... You see his contrition. You see his rejoicing over God's forgiveness. The problem is they're not revealing the whole counsel of God in how God dealt with David. See, the grace that God was given to, to David was that he was not going to die for his sin. But David would, would end up giving up four of his son's life for the one life that he murdered. See, nobody speaks about that. That's justice. And God is not sparing his own man for doing wrong. He's coming after him. And so we have to take God's grace in balance with sobriety and not take it for granted. And this is exactly what Jeremiah is communicating to the king. He's telling them, you have options available for you. The first option is, you choose to rebel, I could tell you what's coming your way. Famine, sword, pestilence. You're gonna die, just choose which way you wanna die. You remember that show, Thousand and One Ways to Die? This is Jeremiah's version of it, you know? Here's three ways that you can choose to die if you want to. Stay in the city, it's your call. But he also says another thing, which is kind of mind-blowing and amazing is that he proclaims God's mercy even in the midst of such a rebellious people. He says, God is gonna give you a way out. There is an open door, but there's a time limit on that open door. But you and your people have to do the unthinkable. And what is that? Go and surrender yourselves to the Babylonians. Now, can you imagine how that sounds? It's so counterintuitive, it's not even intelligent. Like, The very people that are trying to kill you, he's asking them, go and surrender your life. But this is the wisdom of God. See, he's proclaiming to them that for your safety, you need to surrender. If you're going to have a life of honor and dignity in the coming days, you need to show humility. If you're going to save your life, go and give your life up to the Babylonians and he'll spare you. How many of us have repeatedly gotten this message from God, intervening on many occasions with warning after warning where the Word of God is is reminding us, don't make that choice, don't make that decision, stay away from this, or even the exhortation of God spurring us on, reminding us and telling us, trust me, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, move forward. See, God is... Continually at work, but are we willing to listen? Are we willing to obey? Um, some of the challenges, I mean, as, uh, as a parent, you know, there might be parents here who are trying to rescue their children who have walked away from the Lord. And today you need to hear this perhaps that God is telling you, take your hands off so that He can intervene and, and work what He wants to do, right? Uh, you're not going to like the way that God approaches this. You wouldn't do it the way that God wants to do it, but he fetches far better results than any one of us. And I know as a parent, this is gonna be one of the most difficult things that God is gonna ask you to do because there's so much of an investment when it comes to your children. But again, your actions is going to be a revelation of what you believe and who you believe. See, it's easy to talk It's easy to say that I'm trusting Jesus Christ, but when it comes to making that choice and that decision, your actions are going to reveal who and what you truly believe. See, Zedekiah has come to the crossroad of his own life, and it's a very, very, very difficult place for him. But what you will see is that he's not looking at this with a spiritual point of view. He's not seeing it with spiritual eyes. He's seeing it through natural means. And the reason I say that is look at his response when Jeremiah actually tells him, do this and God will give you a way out. He, his, his immediate reaction is in verse 19, King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Catalans, lest I be handed over to them and they deal cruelly with me. But Jeremiah said, you shall be, not be given into in, their hands. Um, obey now the voice of the Lord and it will go well with you. See, the question that God is asking all of us today is, what is it that we fear more than him? That we fail to obey his voice in the choices that we are about to make. You know, is it the fear of, of men? Is it the fear of being all put together that people should look at you and say that you have it all together and yet everything is falling apart in your life? That's exactly where Zedekiah is. He, he's not even thinking about his own family. All he wants to think about is that, you know, I need to look good in front of the people. I need to show leadership. I need to show confidence. I can't succumb to, to a, you know, to surrender. And it's not like God's word hasn't been proven true for him because he witnessed Jeremiah's prophecies years before and it came to pass. God's word was tested and proven to be true and yet he's ignoring it again. And Jeremiah's telling him, what's going to unfold if you choose to refuse to obey God? Oh, The word of God is similarly standing like that uh, as as the prophet Jeremiah is confronting uh, Zedekiah. It's, It's doing the exact same thing in our life again and again. It's coming back to us and reminding us again of his promise and saying, you know, I called you and I'm faithful. I called you for a purpose. I will never forsake you. But do we make the choices that are reflective of what we believe? This is the question that Jeremiah is, is putting out to Zedekiah and asking, are you going to believe? Are you going to trust him? Now, you can see here, um, many of these opportunities are going to present themselves in our lives. And they come because they're actually a test. It's a test of our own hearts. It's not that God is putting that test before us because he wants to discover what's in our hearts. He already knows. It's for Him to reveal what's really in our hearts so that we know, because we talk and we say that we're going to do those things. If, if I was given the same opportunity as this and this person, I would have dealt with it differently. Well, guess what, that, that, that road is going to come one day, and God is going to try the hearts to see if you actually believe and follow through. And so every opportunity that presents itself with an opportunity to trust God is an opportunity to actually show that you're faithful. And here, Zedekiah had that opportunity, the crossroad of his life, and it doesn't end well for him. Uh, You can read in Jeremiah chapter 52 of how events unfold for him and his people. I actually want to read for you a very sobering uh, picture because Jeremiah is often referred to as the weeping, weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentation, and which is really his eyewitness account of the, the, the misery and the suffering that he witnessed of his people because of the choice of leadership and because of their sinfulness, because of their rebellion. And it's quite painful. I want to read for you from Lamentations chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. And look, this is just one aspect of it. He says this, Arise, cry aloud in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the life of your little ones who are faint because of hunger. At the head of every street, see, O Lord, and look, with whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat their offspring, the little ones who were born healthy? Should priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? So the famine was so severe because of what Zedekiah chose to do that they resulted in cannibalism. Uh, Some of the mothers were eating their own children, cooking them to survive. Now that's kind of despairing and kind of, you know, shocking. But it's not as if God did not warn them. Nobody can look back and say, God, why are we in this position? How did you allow this to happen? No, he gave them the choice, but they they chose to do the wrong. And so if we're this morning at a place in our lives where we have to make a decision that is going to recall us to trust in God and to continue that walk of faith, let's be faithful. It's far better to be in the safety of God's presence and try to do things without him. And that's exactly what the people found out. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your holy and living word this morning. You remind us of the challenges that life brings. And things don't always look um, easy and they don't make sense. What you call us to do is quite difficult, but it requires us to trust you, to hold fast to you, to believe that you who promised is faithful. And so I pray for us who are here, Lord, that we will not shrink back, that we wouldn't resort to dealing with life through natural means alone, that we will believe that you're a God who is with us as you promised to do so. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.